KYW Original Podcasts. This is a Flashpoint Extra. I'm Flashpoint host, Cherry Gregg. So I decided to do a show this month on the issue of youth suicide. Um, A few weeks ago, I read headlines about 11-year-old Philip Spruill, a little boy from North Philadelphia, a little boy from Philadelphia who had been bullied because of his weight. Um, His little brother was also bullied. Um, People threw homophobic slurs at the young man. Uh, His family found him. Uh, He took his own life. The fact that an 11-year-old, 11-year-old would harm himself and feel that he had no way out and would want to die hurt my heart. I am not a mother, but I have five nieces and nephews, and they're in that critical age, and um, I just knew that we had to do something. Uh, and then I started to research, and what I found is that there has been a Sark uptick in the number of suicides among young people between the age of 10 and 24. There's also been a sharp increase in the number of attempted suicides and the number of kids reporting suicidal thoughts. So I wanted to do this Flashpoint Extra where I speak with Dr. Zanita Heath. Uh, She is a professor at Lincoln University and Wilmington University, and she also trains uh, individuals who work at organizations, nonprofits, etc. that deal specifically with at-risk youth. Because I have to tell you, those numbers get higher if you're talking about children of color, if you're talking about LGBTQ children, you're talking about children in a high-crime area. So this is my interview with Dr. Zanita Heath. If you have kids, you have kids that are withdrawn, if you have kids that are always in their rooms and on their phones and hard to talk to them, listen to this podcast find a way to talk to your kids. Let's save a life. Dr. Heath, we've seen like this uptick, a steep uptick among individuals between ages 12 to 13 when it comes to uh, the issue of suicide. We also seen uptick 18 to 21 and the rates have doubled among those ages 20 to 21. I mean, is there a crisis right now? It's definitely a crisis and I think um, that a lot of that has to do with a bunch of different factors. One, I think mental illness, right? The stigma that surrounds that many children uh, have diagnosis that they're unaware of or that the parents are unaware of the symptoms for that. And so untreated diagnosis increases the likelihood of a young person potentially feeling overwhelmed, burdened, and then could ultimately lead to suicide. Um, there is also a large epidemic of young people who feel lonely, feel unaccepted, uh, they have tons of social media friends, but they don't feel as if they have a close network for themselves for support. Uh, the screen time, the Internet, the uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and all of those accounts are also playing a big factor in that. Um, I know the research looks a lot at the amount of time a young person sits on a screen, and more than four hours, they say, is way too much. But I even think even less than that. Uh, maybe two hours is way too much for a young person. And so that uh, sitting in front of the TV, not going outside, 
is also a part of this, this I believe, this, this rise in uh, teen suicide these days. And so this isolation factor, I mean, this is sort of, um, and, and I mean, I, I tell you the reason why I decided to do a show on this or to have a broader discussion was because there was a nine-year-old boy who took his own life. He had been bullied and he hung himself. And it was shocking to me that someone so young would feel so, um, you know, like there was no other way out. How did these feelings, number one, creep into the minds of people so young? And then how do, why does the issue of like thinking to kill yourself, to take your own life, even knowing how to do it, um, get into the heads, into the abilities of somebody um, in single digits in this case? Yeah, I think, well, part of that, uh, I think a lot of times with parents, they miss the moment to uh, identify symptoms in the child, right? And so the child, they will show some symptoms, but sometimes I think parents just don't know what those symptoms look like. And then as a child begins to feel like they're depressed and sometimes a sense of loneliness of not feeling like they can talk to their parents or talk to someone causes them to think about it for themselves and because they don't have good coping skills at this age, uh, unfortunately, they become depressed, and then they take go to the extreme, which often, oftentimes uh, leads to suicide. So I think a, a lot of it has to do with, as parents, sometimes we just miss the mark. We don't know what those symptoms look like. And unfortunately, there is also a rise of, of, of young people who look at suicide from a positive perspective, that it's a way to uh, get away from your struggles. You don't need to worry about anything anymore. And so I think that also plays a part of it as well. I mean, even with the show 13 Reasons Why, that had some great reviews, and it also, for some people, had some bad reviews as well. Yeah, because I understand some kids came out of it and said, wow, I'm doing way better off than, mm-hmm. than this these young people. But then there's other people saying, wow, this is this is something I should consider. So are there what are the signs, though, if you have kids or you work with kids or you have nieces and nephews, you know, or younger siblings? What should you be paying attention to? Uh, their language, how they talk about life, right? Are they saying things like, you know, there's no point of going on, I feel so overwhelmed. Or if you just begin to see that there is a sudden change in that child's baseline. So maybe you had a child who was very active and now all of a sudden they are no longer active. They're isolating to their room. They're not talking as much. Uh, maybe they start to develop a preoccupation with the idea of, that every five minutes they're thinking about it or looking up uh, suicide amongst young people, or maybe they start giving away things that they once cared about or not caring for themselves the way that they once uh, did. Also, I think uh, sometimes you'll also see a lot of times people talk about suicide and depression and they say children isolate, but there is, as in, uh, the DSM has. Uh, looked at depression from another side, which depression can also look like explosive behaviors in children. So maybe a child never uh, will have a temper tantrum or be explosive, but now you're seeing just a small change or a small thing that may not be as severe typically to them is a big deal. Yeah. And and, and is there a way to talk to young people? Because I think, you know, I have a, a five nieces and nephews, and uh, one of the things that um, that I noticed is that 
you know, you ask them how's school and they'll be like, good, <laughs> you know, and and then you if you ask them 50 other questions then you'll find out that they had a horrible two weeks mm-hmm. and that, you know, there was problem with this and this part. They got in a fight and then, you know, you you find out all these things. So how can parents sort of like even get that? Because people have said that they had no idea they thought their kid was fine. Yeah, I think one thing as parents, we have to make sure that when we talk to our children, because my son is the same way, when I talk to him or I ask him a question, how would you say today? Fine. But I realize that is just a a, a way for him to answer me with a one-word question, right? One-word answer. So I want to make sure if there's information that I want from my child and I want to encourage dialogue, I'm using more open-ended questions. Tell me some things that you enjoyed in school today. Tell me what was the worst part of your day today. That type of question then provokes some level of a dialogue. So when you're trying to talk to kids, you have to make sure that we're not, as parents, setting ourselves up for one-word responses from them. I also think when it comes to parenting that we have to make sure that we're creating a home environment or a family dynamic where a child feels comfortable with coming to their parent or guardian to talk about their feelings. I have encountered children that said, no, my mom said, you know, I have no reason to be depressed. There's nothing wrong with me. Uh, I need to just get over it. When a child hears that, they begin to shut down because they don't want to disappoint their parents. So we have to make sure that we validate their feelings. We talk to them about their feelings and don't shun them when they come to us and exhibit a level of emotion that we may not understand. Yeah. And I, and I wonder about that because, you know, I've heard people say, Oh, that's kid stuff. You don't have any bills. You don't have anything mm-hmm. serious, but could you explain kids are dealing with things that I don't even think uh, adults understand? Absolutely. I mean, I think I look at it as a reality versus their current appearance, right? Like the TV shows, create this glamorized life. And if they're not living up to that reality and where they are right now, oftentimes that causes them to feel overwhelmed and depressed. Uh, Cyberbullying, the the accounts, these children now can mask and hide behind the screen and say things to children that no matter if you delete it or not, depending upon how many individuals are in their network, it has already been seen by so many others. And so that piece of uh, being in front of the screen and the Cyber piece is really now playing a big part in in our children's lives and affecting them uh, in negative ways. Now, it could, on the flip side, social media is not all bad. It can be used effectively. But I think that parents really have to become uh, more diligent in monitoring how much time they're on there and what they're doing when they are on there. Yeah. And, and, I mean, I guess at all ages, I mean, because I was going to say, at what age should you be like, you know, more mindful. I guess it seems like now it's like every age, because if you're hearing about nine year olds, you know what I'm saying? Like, it it seems like you should be trying to connect and having these real conversations is, is never too young. It seems yeah, like. I think I don't think it's an age. Right. I think that it, as soon as your child starts to become socialized, we have to start having conversations. And one of the things that I often tell parents that I've talked to about similar topics is, Everyday life gives us an opportunity to talk to our children, right? You see, as you just shared about the nine-year-old, if that was on the news, 
that's an opportunity to talk to your kid right there. Like, what do you think about this? Uh, why do you think this could have happened? I think that we miss the opportunities to have conversations. And then a lot of times we're, we're doing damage control. We're having conversations when there's too, when it's too late. We got to begin to think about how can we address some of these real-life issues and acknowledge them as real-life issues with our kids as often as possible. Yeah, yeah. And so, what, and I don't think it's. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Complete I your thought. Saying, I don't think it has to be that sit at the table conversation. Hey, let me talk to you about suicide. But just if you hear them uh, listening to a song or you see them watching something on TV, using that moment to educate and empower your children and to learn uh, what they're thinking about and how they perceive certain things. Yeah. Yeah. And just using those small little opportunities to open the door and also build rapport, it seems like. You know, relationship building is pivotal. Yeah, because everybody's so busy these days. You know, you see people sitting at dinner and the parents and the kids are on their phones. Um, And and Mm -hmm. so that's a that's a missed opportunity there. So what 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 should a parent do or uh, if you're a sibling or, you know, auntie or somebody and you hear a young person talking about, you know, possibly toying with the idea of taking their own life, what should you do? Well, first I would talk to them and try to see if I can get as much information as possible using those open-ended questions. Um, If I'm not able to do that, uh, maybe if I don't know therapists or counselors in my area, just take your child maybe to the primary care physician. Let them know, hey, I'm not sure what's going on with them. Take them to some professional that you can get to right away uh, to do a full assessment on them or ask them questions and then follow through from there. Or maybe just take them to a therapist. Have them sit with someone just to talk about and process their feelings and thoughts. But the first thing is not being afraid to ask your child do you feel suicidal? But a lot of times people feel like asking a child or asking a person, are you suicidal is actually going to cause them to do it. Well, it's not. It's really going to give you some information as to what you need to do and how fast you need to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, uh, and, and I think that, you know, there's, there's issues that people have with counseling. You know, a lot of people, mm-hmm. especially in communities of color, don't always want to u- utilize therapy um, but you know, if your kid is talking about something, you know, maybe that that's the time to open that door. Absolutely. And, and realizing that, uh, taking your child, I think we gotta, we gotta get away from the stigma, right? That it's surrounding, uh, mental illness and mm-hmm. counseling and let them know that this is a part of the reason why individuals are battling depression and leading to suicide because they feel like I can't talk about this. This is not okay. This is you're, you're not you're not supposed to feel this way. Or if you're spiritual, you oftentimes hear people say, "Oh, just pray about it, and it'll be okay." Well, yeah, you can pray about it, but you also want to try to uh, get someone else that you can talk to simultaneously with that. So I do think that we we do need to eliminate the stigma surrounding therapy. But if they're not ready to do that, just take your child to a, your your doctor, someone that can help them figure out what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, are there kids who try to get attention and use this kind of language to get that attention and say, you know what, I'm thinking about this. And you're like, my kid is so dramatic, you know, whatever. I mean, should you still be concerned if that ever comes up? Absolutely. Because even if that's a negative attention seeking behavior that they're using, 
it still should never be taken lightly um, because that's not normal language. I want to kill myself. I don't want to live. That means that there is something deeper going on with your child, and we need to get to the root of it. You need to find out why is this happening? What is causing them to feel that when they're overwhelmed with life or when something is not going their way, that they have to resort to making a statement like that? And I think that has to deal with a lot with sitting with someone helping your child process their feelings, because a lot of times our children don't have good coping skills yet. They're still developing. Their prefrontal lobe is not fully there yet. So sometimes if the world has created or their peer group has created this idea that suicide is the way to go because they don't have other coping skills, they will go along with that. Um, And then that'll be a part of the rise of why we're seeing uh, the suicide rates increase. Yeah. And I know that there's this idea of suicide contagion, um, and that whole concept that if, you know, because of, you know, uh, shows like 13 Reasons and, you know, exposure to stuff on YouTube, that this could lead to, um, you know, more people acting in this way is, could you explain what that, what that is? So the research out there goes both ways with that. You can say, some people say that watching shows that expose individuals committing suicide or contemplating suicide could cause them to execute, but there's also tons of research out there that says that doesn't happen. I think it's a case-by-case basis. I think it has to do with where the, where the child or the individual is in the moment when they're watching it, because some children can watch it and say, wow, look at what other people go through, and my life is not that bad. Or if I'm in a bad state in the moment when I'm watching it, I could look at that and say, okay, this is validating my feelings why I don't want to be here anymore. So I think that it really has to do with what is the root of the issue for the child? What is going on with the child when they're watching these shows? Uh, How they perceive what they're watching, how they're taking the messages in, ultimately determines that outcome as the will they execute with a plan or not. Yeah, yeah. And And that's, we're hoping that that's not. And so I know there, we're going to put the resources for the hotline, uh, mm-hmm. And and let people know what what number to call. But I mean, um, the upside of this is that if you open the door to um, having discussions with your young people, uh, that we might not even we could prevent a lot of this. Yep, absolutely. You can have or the highlight number is good for parents, but even if a parent doesn't know what to do, because some parents just do not know how to connect on this level with your child. So maybe just give them that number. Hey, if you're ever feeling this way, I want you to call this number. Or Instagram, social media accounts, YouTube, they have tons of support groups. Hey, won't you follow this group? Maybe they can offer you some support so that you have someone that you can talk to if they don't feel comfortable with counseling. Uh, I think that 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 is an amazing opportunity to help your kid if the kid doesn't feel comfortable with talking to the parents or if the parent doesn't feel comfortable with having a conversation with the kids. But I think that that stigma breaks when we have small conversations every day or as often as possible, I should say, with our kids around some of the real-life challenges that maybe they don't face but those in their peer group faces. Yeah, yeah, and I think schools too, um, because there needs to be more resources, you know, and so these conversations can kind of lead to more As you've seen, there's a lot going on. I mean, the news is crazy. Um, Sometimes, and kids are taking that on in. They have more access to things that maybe, you know, a generation ago we all didn't have access to. So, um, but having those conversations and helping young people process 
um, all that they're taking in has to be a, a major step to this. So I want to say to you, Dr. Heath, thank you so much. Is there anything else you think is important about this this heavy uh, yet, I think, very important topic? No, I just would say if a parent feels as if their child is depressed or feeling suicidal, don't be scared to talk to your kid about it. Um, most times kids will talk to their parents when they feel that their parent cares, uh, that their parent wants to know, and they're just trying to support them and help them in any way that they can. Yeah, yeah. But have, have those difficult conversations and open mm-hmm. the door. So thank you so much uh, for You're taking welcome. the time out to speak with me. And um, let's stay in touch. And um, you know, I, I wish I had 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 you in, in the show uh, this this time, but next time, um, and hopefully, you know, they'll we'll see some shift in these numbers as more and more people start, you know, talking about prevention. Absolutely, and raising awareness. Yep. Well, thank you so much, and have a wonderful weekend. Okay. You too. This has been a Flashpoint Extra. Flashpoint is KYW News Radio's weekly public affairs show. It airs every weekend on 1060 AM on your radio dial. And it comes on at 9.30 p.m. on Saturdays and Sunday morning at 8.30. So you can subscribe to the Flashpoint Podcast for exclusive content like this extra. You can find us on the Radio.com app, the Apple Podcast app, or any podcast flat, uh, platform. All you got to do is search Flashpoint KYW. If there's something in your community that has you hot under the collar, let us know. And we'll walk you through the flames. You can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Flashpoint Show. Mine is Cherry Greg. And thank you because you're a part of the Flashpoint fam. But we really appreciate you listening and subscribing to our podcast. We work really hard and we really, really care about the community. So until next time, I'm your host, Cherry Greg. Thanks for listening.